Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The man who found Forrest Finn's treasure has come forward. Not a smart idea, dude. What happens when you get invited to be on a game show, but end up naked in a hotel room instead? And then we travel to the jungles of Vietnam. As a group of U.S. commanders are making their way through the jungle, they think they're going to take on a North Vietnamese listening post. Instead, they come face to face with alien invaders. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I just drank a Kona Mocha smoothie, like super fast. I don't know why. It must have been thirsty, but it's actually more of like a milkshake with coffee in it. I also have the metabolism of a 10-year-old. So now with all that sugar and there's just a little bit of caffeine, dude, I'm like super wired. So this episode might go by super fast or it may be a disaster. But either way, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Flanco. Everyone give a round of applause to Flanco. He's running in. He's doing laps around us, making us dizzy. Flanco, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. So now we're running in place with Flanco. We're trying to burn off some of this sugar. But Flanco, why don't you run us over to the garage where we keep all of our vehicles? You're getting some deep cannon cuts. I bet you didn't even know we had a garage. As we're jogging through the underground Dead Rabbit Radio facility... I'm going to tell you this story. We're not taking a vehicle for this one. We're just running through the facility. This was actually recommended to me by Beatrice, a longtime Patreon, and she's been integral to the Forrest Finn storyline. She's the one who first let me know that the treasure had been found. And then we have Dramatic Failure for you on Twitter. Also recommended this story, so give him a little salute as we're running. If you don't know, let me do a quick catch up for the Forrest Finn saga. Forrest Finn was a dude who buried a treasure. He thought he was going to die. He had cancer. Took this treasure up to the middle of nowhere, buried it, and then decided, no, I'm not ready to die. And the cancer went into remission. He kind of went up there with the idea that he was going to kill himself. He crafts this poem, writes this book called The Thrill of the Chase, and it was all about finding his treasure. Now, I did a story on Forrest Finn a long, long time ago. It was like episode 70 or something like that. And I did the story, and then at the end, I go, I don't think it's real. I don't think he really buried the treasure. I think it was just something. It's an old man trying to leave his mark on the world. That's okay. And then I went on to tell a story about my experiences with shadow people in Sacramento, California. I was immediately, immediately deluged with comments saying what a horrible person I was. How dare, how dare I defile the name of Forrest Finn. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Turns out there's a group of people called the Fanatics. This is like a previously on, previously on Dead Rabbit Radio. There's a group known as the Fanatics. They're Forrest Finn devotees. They believe everything this man has to say. And they were like threatening to sue me for libel 
And I'm like, I didn't write anything down, so obviously you don't know what libel means, but as being threatened with lawsuits, as being harassed. So that was going on. So then I did an episode about them. So this is a crazy cult. I didn't think this existed. Like a lot of times when we think of cults, we think of these big groups, but this guy is a cult leader and he has this cult. So because at that point I was like, they're already throwing eggs at me. Might as well double down because I don't care. So I doubled down and they still were getting all antsy and stuff like that. But they kind of just leveled off after a while. They're like, they realized I didn't have any gold on me. So they left me alone. They're just super, super greedy people. Fast forward, what, a year, a year later, and Beach, I get an email from Beatrice about Forcefin's treasure has been found. And so that was the big thing. Now, I said the treasure didn't exist, and I was being called libelous because I said it didn't exist. And when they found it, I'm not so egotistic. I, I go, I guess I was wrong. I guess I was wrong, which you guys have heard me say that quite a few times on this show because a lot of it's speculative. I guess I was wrong. I guess there really was a treasure. Immediately... The fanatics started to believe there was no treasure. That it was all a hoax. It was the weirdest, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They believed that Forcefin had made the whole thing up because, see, they didn't find it. It truly was a bizarre cult. And it's a weird cult because the cult ended up devouring the leader. They started saying it was all a hoax. Um, they were so close to finding it. Not, and see, there's a difference between people who are hunting for Forcefin's treasure and fanatics there's a difference i have to say that there's there's good ones in that group probably actually don't have any proof and i'm just assuming the fanatics on reddit they started saying no it was fake it was fake and da 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 and the reason why they were saying it was fake because the person who found it never came forward and they wouldn't reveal where it was located see that made everyone super suspicious but now you're all caught up you're all caught up in this and force fen unfortunately passed away this guy didn't want to reveal he found the treasure. And the reason why he didn't want to reveal he found the treasure, because the people looking for the treasure are lunatics. And he knew all the times that Forrest Finn had been stalked and harassed and threatened. Some dude broke into his house. That's why he covered it back then, because that was in the news. But there's this woman named Barbara Anderson, who's who I'd been, I still go to the, the subreddits for the Forrest Finn stuff, because I find it hilarious. Barbara Anderson is suing... The estate of Forrest Finn, she believes that her email address got hacked and she had the right answer and this unknown person had hacked her email. And a judge in New Mexico just recently said, yeah, I'll allow, I'll allow it. I'll allow this case to proceed. So the person, he, he knew he was going to get called into this lawsuit, decided to come forward. His name is Jack Stoof, 32-year-old man, and he said, I'm the one who found the treasure I didn't want to reveal my identity because I imagine I'm going to get harassed and stalked and people are going to break into my house and everything like that. There's $2 million in this treasure chest plus 10 years of fanaticism behind it. People are really going to be looking for this guy. And anyway, so Jack comes for... Oh, and another thing. Here's a little conspiracy thing for you. He's a journalist. People are, you know, suspicious. Actually, right now he's going to medical college. But he used to be a journalist. He used to work for The Onion. So people are automatically like, oh, it's fake. It's fake. Because the second you're a journalist means everything you say is fake. One time a journalist told me, happy birthday. And it wasn't. I canceled my birthday that year because I didn't want him to be right. So that's part of the conspiracy now that he didn't really find the treasure, that it was all fake, that Forrest Finn hired this journal, this random guy who used to work for The Onion, who's now working at a medical college or now going to a medical college. Forrest Finn is like, you, you will be my Anakin Skywalker. The whole thing is super bizarre. Best of luck to Jack. People are already digging 
through everything he's written, trying to find stuff that looks bad and things like that to disparage him because he found what they were always looking for. Not only did he find the treasure chest, but it was a goal. People have been working on this for over a decade. He started looking into it in about 2018. Spent two years looking into it. He said, I read the poem and I thought about Force Finn's emotions. I thought about what Force Finn was going through. He goes, and this was interesting. This is going on a little bit longer than I thought, but I think this is pretty much the end of the Force Finn saga. Hopefully, I hope nothing happens to this guy. He said, when you read the puzzle, he goes, the one thing I realized is he, he was basically on the borderline of being a fanatic. He watched every interview Force Finn did, read everything he wrote, but he goes, I never interacted with the community. See, he never became part of that mob mentality. He goes, I'd read their posts, but I never joined them. He said, Force Finn wasn't trying to prove how clever he was by coming up with an ingenious puzzle. He goes, that's where I think a lot of searchers went down the wrong path. They were looking for these clever answers, like Gollum-esque puzzles. Is that a thing? Gollum-esque riddles. That's still not a thing, but he goes, it wasn't like that. I was trying to place myself in his mental state. Because remember, he was on. He was going to kill himself. He was going to take his treasure up there, and I think he had some pills with him. He was just going to sit on the grass and die. And then someone would just stumble across his treasure. So he thought about that. It would be, what's the most suicidal place I can think of? So there was a location and he went up there. He spent about 20-something days over the course of two years. And he found it. He found the treasure. And he took photos of it and he let Forrest Finn know. Met Forrest Finn. And that was it. And people are like, why won't you reveal the location of where you found it? And he said, listen... This place was very special to Forrest Finn. Is where he was going to kill himself. He goes, and over the course of two years, me spending time there camping, just sleeping on the grass, he goes, it became very special to me. He goes, I know people are going to trample all over it. He, see, the thing is, he knows these fanatics are fanatics. He knows the type of people he's dealing with. If he just happened to stumble across the treasure, he'd probably have been like, hey, everyone, my name is Jack, and I found it down the street. Here's the address. Not knowing how, how crazy this group is. That hopefully, hopefully is the end of the Forest Finn saga. Because I have a bad feeling something's going to happen to this dude. I really have a bad feeling this guy's going to get tied up with like, <laughs> like holding rope. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin's going to come after him. I think this guy's going to, this guy's going to have to spend part of his $2 million to change his name and hide himself. Because these these people are relentless. And the thing is, is that they're relentless, but at the same time, they're kind of dorky. So it's, I don't think they're going to... Well, one did try breaking into Forrest Finn's house. I don't think they'll actually kidnap him. I don't think they're going to do that. I hope not. But um, again, like when they came after me, I got a bunch of uh, legal threats and verbal abuse and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, it's Wednesday. <laughs> this is a typical Wednesday for Jason people hurling insults at me. It's been going on for years and years. Not, I'm used to that. I didn't have $2 million on me. I didn't have $2 million on me. So if I happened to have, if I had found, dude, that would have been so funny if I had found the treasure, but I didn't think it existed. So I never even bothered looking. Th th that's the end of it. I really hope this guy the best. I hope people just, but like you go to the Reddits, dude, people are still like, it wasn't real in the first. It's so weird. The whole story's so weird, but that went on way longer than I thought. But again, I think that's a good wrap up to the story. Flanco is we're all exhausted from running. That was a really long hallway. It's a really long trip to get to the garage. Flanco, I'm going to go ahead and put you in. I'm going to lift you up like a little boy. I'm going to lift you up and put you in the front seat of the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Central, and we are headed out 
to London. Cars driving down the road, and then I realize there's a massive ocean, so hydrofoil time. We finally get to London. It's like a six-month journey. Pick the slowest vehicle, but we caught some fish, so that's dope. London... 2018 we're walking around london having a good old time eating popcorn and stuff like that whatever they do over there and there's a dude in a mall and he's on his phone and then this other guy we'll call him jimmy walks up to the first guy I forgot to give him a name we'll call him gary jimmy walks up to gary and jimmy's like hey hey you 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 the subject of the story and gary's like what jimmy goes hey how would you like to possibly win five thousand pounds and gary's like who wouldn't who wouldn't? And Jimmy goes, listen, I'm a talent scout. Uh, we have a game show going on. We're looking for contestants for this new game show. And Gary's like, I love game shows. I love money. Count me in. So Jimmy scribbles down a little address and says, meet me here at such and such a time. And we'll get you started on the game show. And Gary's like, dope, dude. And Jimmy walks away. Now we're all standing there. And I turn to you and I say, hey, it's pretty dope, right? That guy's going to be on a game show. And you're like, yeah, who wouldn't want to win 5,000 pounds? And game shows are pretty dope. But then, like, <laughs> dark clouds come over and my face gets all overcast. And I'm uncomfortably close to you and I'm staring you in the eyes. And I go, you think game shows are a game, huh? You sicko. <laughs> you pervert. <laughs> you big old pervert. Ugh! And I walk away. You're like, Jason, what was that? I turn around. I'm like, don't ever talk to me again, you game show fan. Throw down an egg, throw down an egg full of smoke, and I disappear. But then I reappear behind you, and I'm like, I'm just kidding, you're my buddy. So, the point, the point of that sugar-filled intro was, in London, this is real, I don't really have eggs that make me disappear, but this part's real. There was a guy in London who was going around and meeting men and saying, hey, you want to be on a game? <laughs> Why am I re-describing it? It's the thing I just told you. Let me just finish this story. So Gary ends up going to this address. It's a hotel. It's a hotel room, which is an odd place to have a game show. But, you know, maybe it's the auditions or something like that. Maybe it's a massive hotel room with a giant wheel in the middle of it. You don't know. You don't know until you walk into the room. That's what I always tell people. They're like, I'm really suspicious about going to this location. I throw my arm over their shoulder. And I'm like, you won't know until you walk into the room. And they're like, yeah, I guess that's fine. This guy goes to this hotel room and Jimmy's there. And Jimmy's like, okay, so we're going to start the game show. And Gary's like, what? Game show's in the hotel room. He's like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, this is just part of the game show. It's this weird, like, avant-garde thing. I actually don't know what excuse he gave him. You'd have to give me a lot of excuses. I'm not trying to victim blame about what's coming, I just don't know exactly what was said, but at some point during the game show, Gary starts taking his clothes off. And that was part of the game show. It wasn't like he was just like, hey, Jimmy, taking my clothes off. Part of the game show was a bunch of nude challenges. So Gary's taking his clothes off, being nude and stuff like that in the hotel room. Jimmy's just sitting there, I guess, taking notes. But after Gary leaves, he starts to like feel suspicious about it. He ends up going to the police and saying, hey, I think something weird happened to me. This guy asked me to be on a game show. I went to the hotel, and the cops are like, what? He's like, yeah, I know. It was super suspicious, but I went there anyways. You know, 5,000 pounds. I thought I could win 5,000 pounds. Started taking my clothes off. Start doing, doing a bunch of nude challenges. So the cops actually picked this dude up. His their names aren't really Jimmy and Gary. We don't know anyone's names. This is an ongoing criminal case. And it turns out that not only was Jimmy... Doing this, he's inviting men up to a hotel room and telling them to take their clothes off to be in a game show. He was recording the whole thing, 
which I, I'm sure was pretty obvious. I'm sure it wasn't a hidden camera, but I could be wrong. And he'd been doing, they had a guy come forward from 2013. He heard about this and he goes, oh, that happened to me. He's hanging out in a mall and some dude asked me if I wanted to be on a game show. So the cops are like, oh no. Like they thought it was just like this one. That's, that was their official response. They put out a press release. Oh no. They thought it was just this one event. They arrested the dude, charged him with voyeurism and let him go. You know, able to go about town. He's able to get hotel rooms. He's running around London right now, guys. And then someone else came forward from 2013 ago. That happened to me. So now the police are saying this guy could have been doing this for seven years. They have no idea how long this guy's been doing it or how many victims. It's kind of an interesting case. The headlines, I'm going to be a little old man Jason on this one. The headlines made me think that the guy had built a game show set. You're like, Jason, is that really your takeaway from this story? This pervert's running around getting young men to undress? I, you know, listen, it sucks what happened to those dudes. It sucks what happens to those dudes, absolutely. But whatever happened to super criminals? Right? Like, this dude doesn't even go through the trouble of building a set. You're like, Jason, you're not about to use the Riddler as an example. No, that long pause was me, not me trying to find an example other than the Riddler. Whatever happened to super criminals, man? Like, people who really put artistry... And I'm not talking about serial killers, because those dudes are lame across the board. They're always big old losers. But I'm talking about, like, Bank robbers where they, like, dress up in matching outfits. Like, uh, <laughs> these are all fictional stuff, but whatever happened to Point Break or, or the town? You're a bank robber dressed up as another bank. It would be super confusing. It would be super confusing to you. You're getting robbed. You're like, no, no, I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong bank. Whatever happened to the artistry of crime? Like, was that all just a lie? Like, Moriarty and stuff like that? Like, figuring stuff out. No one's stealing, like, big old diamonds anymore. No one's a Batman basically complaining. No one's a Batman villain. No one's arcade being like, X-Men, I've caught you once again. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's awful, dude. I mean, I guess all crime is awful in a way. But I thought by now we would have super criminals. I'm not, like, trying to make fun of the victims. I I don't understand why crime isn't, like, what I... (laughs) I'm trying to understand why Batman's not real. You know what I mean? Nobody's putting any effort into their criminal activities anymore. I don't know. Thieves, I guess. Shoplifters are pretty ingenious nowadays. But most of the time, the art is gone. The art is gone. People aren't wearing matching costumes anymore. There's not... There's not... (laughs) It's not a guy named the Penguin with an army of penguins. What happened to the future I was promised? So hopefully this pervert in London is put away. Get get cooler, criminals. And again, not serial killers. Those people are lame. Oh, look at this riddle. I guess they broke the Zodiac's code. Like no one had broke it for 35 years. And the the message they couldn't break was, You'll never catch me, coppers! So, <laughs> it's like, I guess they probably expected something more from the code. I expected something more from the code, but again, Zodiac's pretty lame. Okay, Flanco, I turned Flanco. Flanco's now wearing a supervillain outfit. We're all in supervillain outfits. We're dressed up as our favorite supervillains. 
I'm Megatron. We, he, that counts, by the way. We are headed out, so call in that carpenter copter, Flanco. We are leaving behind London. We are headed to the jungles of Vietnam. <laughs> Helicopters flying over the jungles. You got to be quick. You got to be quick, Flanco, because we are back in the year. 1972. The Vietnam War is in full force right now. We got our guns ready. <laughs> Loading them up. I'm Megatron, so I'm just someone has me. You're loading me up. I'm like, ooh, that feel that tickles. I like that. Flanco, bring that carpenter copter down. <laughs> we jump out. Go, 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 go. We're running through the jungles of Vietnam. Now I know exactly where we're going. We're headed to Tong Li Sap. That's in Cambodia. It's on the border of Cambodia and Vietnam. It's April 1972. U.S. Central Command has a mission. They're going to send out a unit of Special Forces troops. I know all my terminology is wrong, military dudes, okay? Don't shoot me. A unit of Special Forces is moving through the jungle, moving through Cambodia. Their goal is there is a North Vietnamese listening station in the area. They figure if they can take that out, North Vietnamese can't listen anymore. It (laughs) deafens the entire country. It's like Battle Los Angeles. You destroy that, everyone just falls down. But as they're getting closer to the base, they notice there's a little clearing in the jungle. They see a silver sphere. Big old silver sphere sitting in the jungle. And they're looking at each other. What's that, Sarge? One of them says, and the Sarge kind of looks a bit and goes, I don't know. (laughs) I I have no idea why you asked me. I'm not an egghead. They're looking at this big silver sphere. They could tell it has like three legs, three little like landing things. But if they're out here in the jungle, they have a mission. Special forces are not allowed to go, hey, let's go sightseeing. Let's go see the Grand Canyon since we're in the area to kill this conspiracy theorist who has a cabin out in the middle of Arizona. They, they've got a mission, right? So they see this orb. They're like, I'll take a couple pictures of it. We still got to go to that listening post. Maybe we'll swing back by, take a couple more pictures. But that's when they see movement. Okay, this is guys. Get ready. Get down to the he's super. Loud, he's super loud. He's yelling. Hey, everyone, look at something's coming. Everyone, get down. We're the U.S. soldiers. He goes, guys, guys, get down, get down. He probably just holds his hand up, and everyone freezes. They train their guns on this moving figure. Now they may have been unnerved by the orb, but again, they got a job to do. But when they see what can only be described as a gray alien walking around the base of the ship, now things just got real. One thing they're noticing is as they're in the vicinity of this orb, even before they saw this creature, everyone felt a little uneasy. That may have been another reason why the commander just wanted a sight skirt. They felt a little nauseous around this thing. It was almost like it was putting out some sort of infrasound. But now that they're actually seeing this alien walk by, the fear accelerates. But again, these are trained soldiers. You have to focus. Now, in this clearing, they see this orb, and then they see, like, these bins. There's, like, these metal bins around the orb as well. And that's when they see the gray alien walking around. And they see several other gray aliens now, very clearly in this clearing. And they begin to watch these creatures rummage through the boxes. They'll pull stuff out of one box, look at it for a bit, maybe place it back in, maybe take it to another container in the area. And they're watching this go on for just a few seconds, and it clicks to the sergeant and everyone else in that group what they're looking at. Gray alien reaches into a bin, pulls out a human arm, looks at it, places it back down. 
these aliens are moving through this area. And it seems that just out of view, there's a pile of human bodies because they keep going to the certain area and bringing stuff over and putting it into one of these bins. Something just snaps. The fear is gone and the fear is replaced with hate. In a second, the commander gives the order to open fire. <laughs> Bullets are ripping through the jungle. Aliens are like, oh no, oh no, I knew I should have called in sick today. They're running around. Bullets are ripping through the jungle. Now, what the soldiers learn very quickly is that they have to put several rounds into one of these guys to drop them, if they drop them at all. The aliens are traditionally gray aliens, but they're wearing silver suits. And as the soldiers are opening fire, they see that the bullets can't penetrate these silver suits. Now, I've talked about this several times on the show. The big problem with gray aliens is the most vulnerable part of their body is the most important, i.e. your head. Humans have tiny heads so we can move, right? So we can... I don't know if that's evolutionary, but we have like the most important part in the tiniest part of our body. The aliens are the opposite. Gray aliens have giant eyes. You could throw a stick of butter and you're likely to hit the dude in the eye. And then he has butter in his eye, which is the worst thing possible. So the soldiers are shooting them and the bullets aren't necessarily bouncing off the metal, but they're not doing damage. So they just aim. They just aim up like an inch and heads start exploding. Gray aliens' heads. Heads were just getting split down the middle. The gray aliens, as <laughs> they were getting massacred, they also had their own weapons. It's noted in this story that they, that several U.S. soldiers were killed by an unknown weapon. Most likely a beam weapon. Generally, gray aliens are associated with a beam weapon. Sometimes it even looks like a flashlight. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, too, because the U.S. soldiers are just like, tack, 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 just lighting these dudes up, and eventually the gray aliens... They begin just grabbing handfuls of arms and legs and torsos and everything like that and just throwing them on the UFO. One alien walks up. He hits the side of the UFO. Landing plane comes down. The other aliens are holding a bunch of body parts. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. They drag as much human remains as they can onto the ship. The door closes. An interesting detail is the three legs, the three landing legs, whatever those are called, they seem to be fused into the ship. It, they, the soldier said it was really weird because it looked like it was all one piece, but then the legs retracted as it was going off. They, they said it just looked bizarre. It didn't look like they could do that. It was weird. It's just one of those small details that I thought it was a weird detail. They thought it was one fused piece of metal, but then the legs just retract in. They're like, huh? Which is funny. And now that I think about it, you just killed 20 great aliens and you're like, but look at those legs. Ship flies off. They also said it didn't fly off very quickly. It's kind of like, took its time. So again, small details sometimes matter that make these stories stand out. And here's another detail. The U.S. soldiers, they radio it in and they go, Hey, you know that whole North Vietnamese listening station you wanted us to take out? Well, <laughs> we might be a little late. We might be a little late. And as they're waiting for other forces to come in and kind of take care of the area like this isn't something they they're not going to move on now like obviously this is of essential importance what were these things what were they doing here they noticed that the u.s soldiers who got shot by the alien weapons they're like jimmy jimmy <laughs> you 
shouldn't have had that game show. And Jason's run out of names. But Jimmy, Jimmy, stay with me, stay with me. And Jimmy's all, come on down. And then Jimmy would melt. The soldiers who had been hit by this beam weapon melted. They de- they didn't melt like Wizard of Oz. They decomposed. Just their skin would open up and organs would be all there and then the organs would wither away. Supposedly, the CIA came out here, immediately began debriefing these troops, and then administered drugs to them so they would never remember it. This is where the story starts to get a little more suspicious because the story doesn't actually get revealed until the 1980s when two of the soldiers in this unit start to remember it. That can sometimes be either starting to remember the event or starting to remember that they can make a lot of money by claiming they fought aliens. But it doesn't seem like that was the case because, again, this is a super obscure story. They ended up trying to track down other members of their unit and they got a hold of a couple of them and they went and met a man named Leonard Stringfield. And that's, I got the story from thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from Leonard Stringfield and it's actually interesting. He it seems to be... One of those huge UFOologists that no one's ever heard of. Like, his Wikipedia page is maybe two paragraphs. People talk about him in high esteem. He wrote four books, three of them, which are out of print. It's 80 to to $100 to buy copies of these, which, again, are signs that the book is in high esteem. Like, if the book is full of garbage, there's tons of books on Amazon that are garbage and no one will buy. His books go up to $400, really for first editions of this. They're all written in the 70s and early 80s, and this story is one of them. He talks about these soldiers coming to him. So I'm going to try to get a hold of one of his books. There's one that's a little bit cheaper, but it's of a different series. I'm going to try to get a hold of it. But Take a look and see more what's going on there. I find this story fascinating because it makes a lot of sense. In a war zone, aliens would rule supreme. All of their sort of experiments with cattle mutilation, kidnapping humans... Doing anything like that would work 10 times better in a war zone because people would go missing, body parts would be found. Actually, now that I think about it, I wonder if aliens... It's going to sound ridiculous, but I'm being totally serious. I wonder if aliens... So <laughs> this is not the ending I had planned. I was going to talk about how, how kind of dark it is to think that while humans are fighting each other, aliens are watching over us. And at our lowest, most basis point, i.e. violence against each other, the aliens are kind of picking us off one by one and then harvesting us, and we would never know. That was the ending I had planned, but this is the nature of this show. Uh, <laughs> what if, think about it, aliens are flying around and they're abducting cattle for cattle mutilation. You, you're sucking them up into this ship, and then you're like dissecting them, and then you're dropping them off. We know aliens can do lost time, and we know aliens can abduct stuff through walls. That's another power that aliens have. Why wouldn't it be possible for aliens to abduct cows while they're in the slaughterhouse? A cow sitting in a pen about to get like slaughtered and stuff like that. He's about to be let out into the slaughterhouse. And aliens freeze time. And this, <laughs> now I know why they do it in the middle of nowhere. Because you don't have to do all this stuff. But the aliens basically... I'm not going to say like they put on they put on lab coats and they're walking through their war. They're dressed up as slaughterhouse workers. And they're like, hey, howdy, Bob. What if aliens are abducting cows right before they're slaughtered, taking out all their organs, and then putting them back in the slaughterhouse? And you go, Jason, you obviously know nothing, <laughs> nothing about slaughterhouses. It's not like the cows just... <laughs> 
It's not like just the cows are on a conveyor belt and their buttholes missing. Like, people are going to be suspicious of that. Humans don't carve out the butthole, at least not the first pass. They save that for the Wendy's chili. I don't under, like, wouldn't it make more sense? Think about it. If aliens are cutting people up and they're using bodies in Vietnam, all war zones, I think it would make sense. Aliens are using that time to abduct people and to observe humanity and, again, at our worst. Couldn't aliens also do that for slaughterhouses where they're abducting cows? How come, you know what? I don't want to keep going off on this because the episode's already running long. But how come aliens don't abduct chickens or pigs? Have we ever found a whale with its butthole removed? I don't think anyone's looking. <laughs> they're like, I'll be right back, Jason. They're getting their scuba suit. They're flying around. They're like, not yet, but I'll keep trying. Why is it cows? Why Why don't we see... I know, like, they'll have, like, chicken mutilations, but most of the time those are associated with, like, hoodoo. And those are usually found in areas where you have religions that practice chicken sacrifice. But how come if we have all of the... I know we have goats, and a lot of people apply that to the chupacabra, which 100% doesn't exist, by the way. I give a lot of credit to... Like aliens and Bigfoot and stuff like that. Chupacabra does not exist. This episode's going on too long, so I gotta wrap this up. I'll talk about that in some other episode. I think I've talked about it before, but why cows? Like, I understand wanting to abduct humans because we're so dope. Do aliens abduct ants, which are like the second best thing on this planet? Do aliens abduct ants and steady ants? Why cows? That's an interesting question. I never, ever thought about that before. Yeah, goats, sure, they are killed and again it's not the chupacabra something might be doing that so goats and cows but why not pigs or oxen horses i know there's again whenever we see a horse mutilation it's almost all this is weird i gotta wrap this episode up horse mutilations are almost always tied to sexual perversion there's like a weird pervert thing like that play equus but in real life where you go around and you stab horses and masturbate i'm not into it but I've come across a lot of... I'm glad I to say that, right? Just weird. It's I don't know why. Why cows? Hey, everyone. This is Jason from the future. Before this episode ends with me just saying why cows over and over again, I actually did look it up while I was editing. Apparently, I didn't know this, the term cattle... <laughs> the term cattle doesn't just mean cows. It's basically any domesticated animal. And so when people say cattle mutilation, I always just figured that was cows. There goes what I always say. I've been researching this stuff for 30 years. I never looked up the definition of cattle. So there are pig mutilations and sheep mutilations. Um, it ha- Horses, other than the disgusting sex act that I was talking about, um, there have been at least one reported unexplained horse mutilation so you know so there there there's your update more disgusting stuff going on horse again i think it's mostly gross dudes but um maybe maybe there's maybe there's some gross aliens out there so i wanted to go ahead and clarify that for you we always hear stories about gray aliens abducting people for experiments but then we also hear stories from people talking about a galactic brotherhood of these Gray's coming down and telling us to stop polluting the environment or to disarm our nuclear missiles. And while those may be good things in theory, they're actually probably really good things, you gotta question the motivation of the people asking you to do that. Sure, nuclear bombs aren't great, 
But they may be our only line of defense against aliens. So the next time someone tries telling you some hippie story about these gray aliens just trying to help us raise our consciousness, I want you to remember this story, where they were harvesting human body parts. For what goal? Who knows? But it couldn't have been good. It's always suspicious when the person telling you to lay down your arms also has a crate of human arms in their house. That's never happened before. But if it did happen, if it did happen, it would be super suspicious. I'm very, very suspicious of the Great Alien Galactic Brotherhood if they're picking up body parts in the middle of a Cambodian jungle. Who knows what the aliens were doing in that jungle in Cambodia, but I can almost guarantee it was nothing good. And we can all rest easy knowing that the aliens took heavy casualties during that conflict. Let that be a lesson to these gray, body-harvesting aliens. When the day comes, we will fight back. You want me to lay down these arms? Come and get them. Also, why cows? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.